This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. The following program contains strong language and includes themes of violence and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. and welcome to this series of three episodes where Dunedin-based writer Iona Winter will read a selection from her latest collection, Gaps in the Light. Skilled at giving voice to difficult topics, Iona's work is widely published and anthologised internationally. Gaps in the Light traverses lines between fiction and non-fiction, encouraging us to explore both our relationships with the world and ourselves. The music is by Reuben Winter. Kuaka Matariki And sparse winter landscapes of multi-hued browns, birds keep their movements swift and true. That morning, after dropping the kids to school, Carly had been tempted to take the car and drive into the frosty shadow of the road to see where the slide might lead. Instead, the frozen whenua begged her feet to step over its cracked lips and walk the track. Beyond the hum of the substation, in a sheltering grove of stripped birches, she quickly found herself undone. Korimako's songs echoed through the valley on loop. She forced herself to listen because she needed to hear the quiet strength of Papatuanuku in amongst the darkness. She'd gasped when he lifted his hand to the dog. He looked over at her and his gaze seared tracks along her torso like a firebrand, reminding her of his potential. She heard the whispered words, it was time to show him what she was capable of. Hangman's new jack coiled behind her while she stood and observed her breath blow strands of hair. Fresh manuka blossoms dotted the emergent green. Carly imagined in the past she might have crawled into such a twisted undergrowth refuge. Not now. As the light dimmed, she drew her gaze upwards to the fetu, where the tupuna whispers became amplified. Her arms extended in wordless awareness of what had gone before. He had to go. In sparse winter landscapes of multi-hued browns, birds keep their movements swift and true. the look of the sea about him. Locals don't use that road, I said to someone asking their way to the falls. It's become the one where ostentatious wankers have their surnames stamped above front doors. 
There's a Tani from my work who lives up on that road. Whenever he looks at me over his glasses, it's like he's waiting for something to manifest in the space between us. I'm sure he feels nothing more than hunger for an unobtainable object. It's golden band obvious to me. What I like, though, is that he has the look of the sea about him. It reminds me of something ancient in my bones. I don't know about you, but to me, Tafari Matia in the power lines sounds exactly the same, wherever you live. Before, when I used to visit Grandad, we'd sit and watch the old men who wore their shoes without socks like a fashion statement, and I'd notice the way skin flaked off their puffy-veined ankles. Whenever they stared back, I'd be shocked at how much it enraged me, like I wanted to go over and smash them one. But there was a woman with multicoloured hair who looked like a chook, so we'd snigger at her instead. That poor old lady, trying to pretend nothing had changed, while she continued to make an effort to look good for men. Fuck that. At the rest home by the water, residents sat in a room facing the road, when they had purchased a view. The day he died, I walked back home along the causeway where waves slapped the man-made walls. I assumed their desire was to continue along a natural course beneath the reclaimed land. Kōhatu crumbled from beneath the grand homes along the cliff face, too exhausted to hold on to the ground being eroded around them. But I smiled at how the natives thrived in the gaps between the introduced species. Grandad would say, remember our why is sacred and your moimoya are in my blood. I kind of understand what he meant by that. I walked beneath a cathedral of twisted manuka and decided to detour along that road towards the whare where Grandad used to live before the poshos moved in. A dog ran to the fence and set off the alarm. Its jaws moved in a shockwave. Then a man stepped out of the shadows of the garage and stared at me. Do you want to call your fucking curdy off, mate? I yelled over to him. He gave me his middle finger, then stepped back into his safe zone. It reminded me of how the vicar sits on the steps to his man cave, clutching his treasured book of myths and legends like a blanket. Bloody softcocks, a lot of them. What we are sold, or what we take, is never what we believe it to be. Malls. Old people sit in malls and observe the world, like owls glimpsed in daylight. Mothers with prams aggressively create paths to the changing rooms. Unselfconsciously, youngsters take their selfies, and boy-like men wander the floors, passing themselves off as security, while they're wearing the badges. 
yet most are on their phones thinking they're engaged with the world, refusing to glance up and notice that it's going on all around their oblivious and disengaged faces. Maybe the plants here should be replaced with holograms because who really looks anyway? I know why teenage girls nibble pulled down cardigan sleeves, their coal eyes cast downwards. And remember a younger girl in a t-shirt far too big for her, who stood in the rain waiting for someone to pass her the ball. Why is it kids push their limits and try to break themselves? Why do adults do it to them? And how come I think nothing of packing up for the sixth time in three years just because I want somewhere permanent to call home, where the landlord won't kick me out or raise the rent or encourage me to live inside his overpriced moulding walls? How many deaths must I endure? It's not until a friend tells me my cardigan is on inside out that I realise where I am. Sitting in the mall like a ship in the harbour loaded with unpalatable food to feed the empty bellies of our children, where the water's essence is polluted by humans, creating sickness, and I hear all of my grandmothers wailing. To know them is to hear their voices and watch the seeds inside us unfurl into spacious expanses of twisted limbs, providing shelter for those who come next, limitless and free. Exhale. Through safety glass I watch the shrouded full moon. It is noisy here where concrete echoes never cease to loop through ears and into brains. But I am lucky, because I can still recall lying in our bed, the call of Oruru and your sigh whenever it glided into the silence between us. I'm not that numb yet. I knew the rhythm of your exhale like I did my own skin. Can you remind me when it was that I started to avoid everything natural and honest? Like blackbird nests and hawthorn hedges, the fluorescent sea lettuce littering the causeway after king tides, and how snowflakes always felt like keredu feathers on my face. Why didn't you say something? Or perhaps you did, and I refused to listen. Did you encourage the pills? The morning before they brought me here, you'd suggested I go out for a walk. Was that wise, my darling? I remember a squashed frog on the path, and then the old man with the wonky eye who always tipped his fingers in a hello. I remember the weighted sound of my boots upon the gravel and the piwakawaka twittering in the trees. I remember the bile scratching in the back of my throat as I stood on the bridge and screamed. And how, 
when my body met the froth over the rocks and the steady motion of water carried me downstream, it all went quiet. I swear in the creaking boulders I heard them whisper my name. Portal to the Stars There was a time when I'd lie in my bed and look out the window above it to the fetu. I never knew what the brightest ones were called. Venus or Mars? On clear nights, I'd say to myself, I should ask him when he gets here. But I had other things on my mind by then. The next morning, he'd be gone, back to his other love, taking the winding road where Papatuanuku was reclaiming her skin. In the brief moments before sleep, eyes open to a thick blanket of secrets, my breath and limbs were always the same hefty stone. Maniatoto Plain of blood and Scottish settlers where winds rip through fields of foreign black-faced sheep and mechanical arms stretch across acres. But their water comes from somewhere deep inside our mother, already keening and fierce in her rock falls and floods. I feel my bare feet on her dusty earth amongst tussock reunited with tupuna. But I don't hear the old songs, since only their footfalls over paths between Molka and Moana. Unadorned feet like mine know how to leave behind one season for another. They would not recognise you, Maniototo. The whenua infinitely disturbed, like the place in me that is deeper than sorrow. Piss pants. He smelled of warm wee. I thought of salt and vinegar chips in a packet, freshly opened. Simon had no idea. Pigs don't smell their own stink, my mother used to say as she steered us towards the bath. Get in, it'll do you the world of good. I wish I could say something, but I daren't. We'd both be embarrassed. I think of Chips instead and smile when he requests a food parcel, the second in a fortnight. I've been feeding the birds, he says. Nobody else gives a damn about them. Simon sits down to wait for the paperwork. With his bags around him like pillows, he closes his eyes. He knows the drill. I watch his head glide backwards, released. A rivulet of drool slides from his mouth. So at ease a laugh escapes him while he is tugged between this place and his world inside. His arms flop around him 
submitting to the sedative effect of a warm room. It surprises me how far back his neck stretches before it snaps to with a jolt. The woman beside him moves away when his arms end up in her lap. Her response is like a wave of revulsion, hard in contrast to his fluidity. He reminds me that some of our brains go haywire. Because I am the person who falls to the floor in the supermarket, with a matching rivulet of drool escaping my mouth, limbs convulsing while shoppers watch entranced or look elsewhere teary-eyed. I step away from my glass screen, through the safety swipe card door, and over to him. I touch his arm. Simon, your food bank letter is ready. He looks up at me through fingerprint-smeared glasses and smiles. Bless you, darling. The birds will be most happy today. Unhitched. Jay was obsessed about three things. Plastic, internet security, hand-washing. Plastic, she read about in a magazine. Did you know cancer-forming particles swim around inside your body? Jay didn't want cancer. She'd nursed her father, who took forever to die in a morphine haze. She didn't believe the internet was safe. I know people watch us she stated, while firmly squishing blue tack over the laptop's eye. Jay wrote letters and left me handwritten notes. Unexpected surprises, she said. The hand-washing stemmed from a fear neither of us understood. I hear syphilis is making a comeback. Jay told me, That would be a thousand times worse than cancer. Madness also ran in her family. She never mentioned the lump. I read it on a note she'd left on the kitchen table. See the specialist. When was this? I asked, waving it. Two weeks ago. And? Words refused to emerge when she catapulted her body into the shelter of mine. I'm sorry, she whispered to my chest. Stevie, everything is wrapped in plastic. The wind rattled at the windows. We heard it with our bodies. I wanted to shout, we'll fight this but all the bloody clichés you've ever heard during a lifetime cannot touch the enormity of a death sentence. I knew it, as did she. Looking over her head to the world outside, I watched a nest become unhitched from a tree to fall soundlessly in the wind. Learned it.
We're all the same, come from the one source. Te po, te po, te po. You can't tell me you've never pushed someone in anger, fear, rage, or wanted to do it so bad that your hands shook. But some of these woke individuals talk about violence like it's a thing they don't do, or cancel others, disowning this part of themselves. But we are all capable of it. We are capable. We are. When people wank on about ancestors and how wonderful they were, they've forgotten that plenty of them laid lands and families to waste, threw hands around throats, dicks and wharitakata, heads on sticks around pa. But most of us who know it don't speak it, or rate our scars to those of others like we've been taught, denying what we know, denying how we feel, denying our place in or around it like displaced animals after fires. How we talk of colonisers but refuse to acknowledge our own people did the same thing and it's less woke doing that shit to your own. But it's nothing new. We learned it from everyone before us. Just like you, I, we learned violence just like you. I, we learned silence just like you. I, we learned shame. You can't tell me you've never pushed someone. We count off relationships with assholes yet keep returning for more. And some of those people who've truly wanted to die now say they don't understand when others actually do it. How many of our wombs were filled with bad seeds in the depths of our pukus aborted them, but people judge, never facing their own shadows because others are easier to notice. So we pretend we're better when really we're not. If you say what I write is too dark, too confronting, too unpalatable for your sugar-coated tongues, then your alignment with shiny new things discounts the rage of our mothers, grandmothers, mothers, and how we've learned it. But we're all the same, come from the one source, te po, te po, te po, the infinite darkness from which comes the light. You've been listening to an episode from Gaps in the Light, a selection of writing by Iona Winter. A podcast of this episode and others from the series can be found at oar.org.nz. Gaps in the Light is available in bookshops, libraries, and from ad hoc fiction. For other books and writing by Iona, go to ionawinter.wordpress.com. If this program has raised issues and made you worry about your or someone else's mental health, here are some ways to get help. The best person to talk to is your GP or local mental health provider. However, if you or someone else is in danger or endangering others, call 111. 
If you need to talk to someone, the following free helplines operate 24-7. need to talk? Call or text 1737. Lifeline 0800 543 354. Youthline 0800 3766 or text 234 between 8am or midnight. Depression Helpline 0800 111 757. Samaritans 0800 726666. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.